You know, the last time I looked back, there wasn't this many people here. <laughs> so I got a question before we get started, and you men help me out here, okay? So my wife, she peeled the potatoes, she cut them up, she boiled them, got them ready to smash, whatever, mash. She did the eggs, deviled them. She got the ham ready, put it in the bag, put it in the pan, and then she put it in the fridge. So this morning, I got up before I came to cook breakfast and put it in the oven, so I actually cooked lunch, right? I mean, isn't that how it works? Come on, guys. I'm just playing. I'm very thankful to have her. She takes good care of me. So will you please stand? We're going to read John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. It says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. While it was still dark, and she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore ran out, and the other disciple, and were, running, and, and were going together to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter, and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet he did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stood there, she stood down, stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white setting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. There she said to, then, then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not, did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples what, that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Will you pray with me? My Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for uh, that you sent your Son to die on the cross for us, and that he is the resurrected Lord. Father, we just thank you for all the families that are here today, and just the time that we just get together, and just the fellowship, and just to glorify you. Father, I ask that you'll just remove me from the situation, and just let your words flow through me. Father, I love you, and I praise you. I ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I always love the, the way John tells his story. Because the whole Bible preaches about being humble. And then he goes in there and he talks about the one that Jesus loved the most. And how he outran Peter. So I always kind of got a kick out of it. Just to show that the disciples were still human. And still had a little bit of humble or pride in them. So we're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I know uh, a lot of times when we think about Easter, we think about the Easter bunny and Easter eggs. But 
we need to realize that we're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and not the rest of the stuff. So we don't know much about Jesus' life when he was a child. We know the first two years they talk about, and then we know when he was 12, he kind of ran away from his parents. And can you imagine that? You went to Bethlehem or Jerusalem, wherever they were, and they were headed back, and they realized that they lost Jesus. Can you imagine having to pray? You know, God, you know that son you sent me? That one and only? I lost him. <laughs> so... I've always thought that was kind of funny that, man, now I've got to tell God that I lost his only begotten son. But God had a plan anyway, so we, we knew it was taken care of. So they go back and they find him. And at 12 years old, he says, woman, don't you know I'm about my father's business? How many of you in here can imagine telling your mother, woman, at 12 years old? I don't think it would have worked out very good for me. Maybe 14, 15, but 12, I don't think so. But anyway, we don't hear much else about Jesus' life until he turns about 30 and he starts his ministry. Well, we know Jesus lived a perfect life. We know that he uh, did everything he was supposed to do. We know that he healed a lot of people. But in a lot of his healings, when he would heal them, he would say, your sins are forgiven. You see, Jesus would take care of our physical needs that we thought was important. But he knew our spiritual needs were more important. So when he would heal, he would heal us from our sins and not from our worldly, physical problems. But see, the only, the only problem Jesus had was with the religious leaders. You see, the religious leaders had put burdens on everybody else and they had made up their own rules. They had twisted around what God had said, but they gave themselves out every time so that they could pretty much live the way they wanted to, but nobody else could. And when Jesus showed up, he was trying to show us the new way of living and what God's true intentions were. See, they got stuck on when Moses received the law all those years ago, and they haven't grown in relationship with him. But Jesus came in and said, you know, you shouldn't just not murder, but you shouldn't even get angry. He said, you shouldn't commit adultery, you shouldn't even lust at a woman. So the religious leaders rejected him, and they wanted to do anything they could to get rid of him. And they tried to trap him many times, asking him questions, but Jesus always outsmarted him. You know, it's kind of funny that they would go to Jesus and try to trick him, knowing that Jesus already knew everything. It's kind of like talking to our teenagers. <laughs> they know everything all the time, so amen. Amen. We could probably end right there, huh? But it came time for the Last Supper. And Jesus knowing he was going to be betrayed. But Jesus bowed down and he washed the feet of the servants. You know, this is, this is our Lord and Savior. And he humbled himself enough to wash the feet of his disciples. And then he broke the bread and he ate with them. And he ate with Judas. Knowing that Judas was going to be the one to betray him, he still fed Judas. He still washed Judas' feet. And can you imagine being Judas when you're sitting there and Jesus says, I know one of y'all is going to betray me? What Judas must have been feeling. But it says Satan had entered him already. 
So Judas left, and Jesus went out to pray. In Matthew 26, verses 36 through 34, it says, Then Jesus came to a place called Gethsemane, Gethsemane, and he said to them, Disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? You cannot watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Your will be done. See, Jesus knew what he was fixing to go through. He knew how much pain, how much suffering he was about to go through. But he didn't ask. He said, if it's possible, take it away from me. But if it's not, let it be your will. And in Luke, it said he was so sorrowful and so, so much agony that he was sweating blood. You know, this has been recorded a few times when people are facing execution, that they actually sweat blood. So Jesus knew what was going on, and he was in pain, and, and he was worried and, and stressed out. I mean, can you just imagine? Because Jesus knew exactly what he was going to go through. And then Judas and the soldiers came, and Peter drew his sword and cut one on his ear off. And in Matthew 26, verses 52 through 54, it says, Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot pray now, or now pray to my Father, and he will provide with me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scripture be fulfilled, but it must happen thus? See, Jesus could have said, nope, I ain't doing it. Send me the angels, wipe these people out of here, and I ain't doing it. But Jesus didn't. But not only that, he picked the ear up of the soldier and healed him, knowing that the soldier was fixing to lead him to his death, knowing that his soldier was leading him to be beaten. He still healed him. And then we get to the trial. You know, here in America, we say innocent until proven guilty, but that wasn't the case for Jesus. Jesus was guilty no matter what. The trial was rigged. The trial was held at night, which was against their own rules but they were doing everything they could to get rid of Jesus. They took him to Pilate. Pilate said he didn't find no faults with him, wanted to release him. But the religious leaders went out into the crowd and talked them all into asking for Barabbas to be released. And Jesus never argued. Jesus never defended himself, never tried to get out of it. He just remained silent and took the punishment. So then Jesus was flogged. They beat him with a whip that had leather straps on it, that had glass and metal tied to the ends of it in different lengths, so that when, it's, when they hit him with it, it would stick to him, and when they would pull it back, it would just rip his flesh. They put a crown on him, a crown of thorns on him, and would hit him over the head with a stick, so those thorns would stick him in the head. 
They just tortured him. And he just remained quiet. And then they took him up to the hill and hung him on a cross. And Jesus received the punishment that I deserved and that each one of you deserved. And he willingly accepted it. And when they hung him on the cross, the soldiers started mocking him. And two other criminals started mocking him. Or one of the criminals started mocking him. The other one was forgiven that night and received, received salvation. But what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them. Can you imagine that when somebody's just beating you? You're bloody. You're hung on a cross about to die. And you're just, man, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he forgave each one of us because before we knew Christ, we didn't know what we were doing. And then in John 19.30, Jesus said, it is finished. And his body was taken to the tomb. There was an earthquake. It went dark for several hours. And the veil was torn from top to bottom. And everything was silent on Saturday. But Sunday morning came. And when it came, the women went to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body for the burial. And when they got there, they noticed the stone was, was removed. But here's the thing. The stone didn't have to be removed for Jesus to get out. No stone could stop Jesus. That stone was removed so that they could get in to see that he was gone. And I like in, in John, it's the only uh, gospel that says it. Chapter 20, verse 7, says, And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in its place by itself. That sounds very insignificant, but that detail's in there for a reason. When you look back at biblical times, when a servant would go set the table for his master, he would set everything up and have it prepared, and the food and everything, and he would set his napkin there. And then the servant would go hide. And the master would come in and he would eat. And if he got up, and he, when he got through eating, he would wipe his mouth, wipe his hands, and he'd wipe the, the, paper, the napkin up and throw it down on the table. That meant he was done. He wasn't coming back. But if he got up, and he wiped his mouth, and he folded the handkerchief and laid it down, it meant he was coming back. So Jesus was given a sign right there that he is coming back. You see, we worship a living king. There's over 4,000 religions in the world, but there's only one empty tomb. There's only one that still worships a, a living king. Everybody else is wishes, worships a dead body, bones. But we worship a Lord and Savior that died for us. We worship a Lord and Savior that went to, the, went to the cross to die for us, to be tortured for us, to take away our sins so that we could live for him. You see, if Jesus loved us enough to die for us, we should be willing to live for him. In Matthew 28, 18 and 20, and Mark 16, 15 and 18, Jesus gives us the Great Commission. Go and be disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Spirit. And in John 21, 15 through 17, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to them, feed my lambs. 
And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said it a third time to him, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You see, it's not enough just to say that we love Jesus. The real test is our willingness to serve him. If he loved us enough to die for us, then we should be willing to live for him. Will you please stand? You know, today is a glorious day. We get to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Jesus died on the cross to take our sins away. And like Jim said this morning, you know, if you're struggling with something, when you come up to the cross, lay it down. And I encourage each and every one of you here today that if you're struggling with something, today's the day to lay it down. If there's some sin in your life that you've been dealing with, that you're ashamed of, today's the day to lay it down. Jesus didn't go to the cross and die for us so that we could carry it with us. He didn't go to the cross, the cross and die for us so that we could live in shame. There's freedom in the cross, but you have to take it. So the altar is going to be open for if anybody that wants to come up, anybody that needs prayer, anybody that's struggling with anything, you're more than welcome to come up. So will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your son. I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. Father, I thank you for this day, this opportunity just to come together and just the freedom that we have in America. Father, I pray that you'll just speak to our hearts and to our minds and just search, search our minds and just uh, point out anything to us that we're struggling with, Father, that we can lay it down and we can live in the freedom that, that you have given us. Father, we just ask that all that we do will just glorify you. We love you and we praise you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.